0: We are blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. Every time it's just better and better and better. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you, sweetheart. It's beautiful. Welcome. I'm Reverend Debbie McDonald, Senior Minister here at Monterey Center for Spiritual Living. Reverend Megan Dake Morrell is our Assistant Minister. And Reverend Ann Young is on duty as our Practitioner today. So we all welcome you, all of us. Um, We are... uh, happy that you're here. We're glad that you're here on this beautiful sunny day. We have a Sillamar conference starting um, for this week. at, And so some of you may be here from Sillamar. I know I see Reverend Bill. He's doing a workshop at a Silamar this week. So Reverend Bill Salisbury is here visiting today. It's good to have him. You can see when his <laughs> workshop is, what day it's going to be. And uh, If it is your first time here, please know that we do have uh, visitor packages. They're at the Glass door when you come on through. Um, There's a CD in there about our basic beliefs. There's a Science of Mind magazine. There's some information about who we are and what we're about. So uh, check us out. Get to know us a little bit. Stay afterwards and have some coffee or tea with us. We'd love to get to know you better. We are uh, moving along this year with the theme from home office, which is 100 years of science of mind, taking it to the street. And uh, July's topic is wholeness. Revealing Wholeness. So we've got two more weeks of wholeness. And as I've shared with you before, this is the third year that we've had sort of an organized theme that we've shared through many of our centers. And about half of the centers are doing it. We have over 400 centers worldwide and about 200 of the centers are following along with the theme. And uh, they put it out at the kind of the end of the year before of any minister that would like to do an outline for the f- next year. And then we, get, we, we all receive the outlines and we can take and use what we want or not, and so it just helped us a little bit. So this week's outline is, um, let us not fool ourselves, and it is written by yours truly. It was my week to do it, so it was fun to have mine out there with the whole, our whole uh, movement doing it, and some very interesting conversations happening on the minister's listserv around some of the stuff that we're going to talk about today. So, we are going to uh, start with a quote from Living the Science of Mind, which is where the essays that have taken from that we're using this year. And And this one is called, Let Us Not Fool Ourselves. And Ernest Holmes says this. He says, In the science of mind, we do not say everything is all right when it is all wrong. We do not say peace when there is no peace, but rather we try to discover what is wrong and why we do not have peace. We do not say that people are not poor, sick, or unhappy. We ask why these things should be if the original cause of all things is harmonious, perfect, radiant, and happy. So we don't pretend, and this is a thing that I think sometimes we get mixed up with. We don't pretend that everything is wonderful when everything is not wonderful, right? That's what we call spiritual bypass, Right? That's what we call um, avoidance. So, we, do, we, we see what is happening in the human world, we see it, we recognize it, we know it, but we know it's not the truth, the big T, the big T and the little t. You know, it's not the truth of who we are, because the truth of who we are is divine. But we are having this human experience, so the things that we're experiencing on the human plane are very real. They're very real. Um, Spiritual bypass, is a, it, w- it was a term that was put forward by a Buddhist teacher and psychotherapist, John Wellwood. And his definition of spiritual bypass is this, a tendency to use spiritual ideas and practices to sidestep or avoid facing unresolved emotional issues, psychological wounds, and unfinished developmental tasks. Robert Augustus Masters, he wrote a whole book titled Spiritual Bypass. Spiritual Bypassing when spiritual when spirituality disconnects us from what really matters. Right? How could that happen? How could our spirituality disconnect us from what really matters? The very first chapter of the book, and I love this, and this is how I found him on his, He has a blog, it's titled this same title. The first chapter of his book is Spiritual Bypassing, Avoidance in Holy Drag. Right? Avoidance, and we dress it all up with these spiritual terms, right? Uh, You know, so there's a difference between recognizing the circumstances in our human experience and calling them the truth of our being. You know, there's, a, there's a point that beginners to our teaching sometimes get, acu- get confused about. You know, we recognize the facts. We don't deny the facts, but we know it's not the truth. You know, some of the examples of spiritual bypass are things like, oh, it's God's will, or uh, it's all perfect. It's just an illusion, right? Try saying that to somebody whose child has got cancer. It's just an illusion. They're going to punch you in the nose, right? We don't deny the fact of what's happening. We don't do the spiritual bypass and just say, oh, it's all good, right? In the bigger truth, we know it's all good, but we don't do the spiritual bypass. We don't do the avoidance. Uh, Let's see, you'll know later. That's another one. You know, the airy-fairy New Age kind of things, you know, where we just poo-poo away what's happening, what's happening in our world, and we chalk it up to some mystical thing that's happening. But the truth is that we're avoiding dealing with the thing that's happening, right? And that's not how we get to healing. Do you ever know anybody, or I'm sure we all do, somebody who's been on a spiritual path for a long, long time, and they're stuck in the same story from a long, long time ago, right? They haven't moved past it. They're doing all the affirmations, and they're doing all the things, and it looks really right, but they haven't got underneath. They haven't got underneath to experience what it is that they're experiencing. You know, there's a common thing that a lot of people do, and I know I've been guilty of doing this in my life, where you jump to acceptance. Like, I'm into acceptance. I'm just accepting it. But the truth is, underneath, I'm mad. I'm angry. Right? So I need to deal with that. And then I can get to the acceptance. Acceptance is a good place to get to spiritually. But it's not healthy for us to do it. You know, I think I've shared this with you before. My spiritual teacher, she used to say to me, um, because I I believe, my belief was that love at any cost, peace at any cost. Love was the most appropriate thing to do, to love, love, love. Don't rock the boat. Sound a little bit like codependency, right? Don't rock the boat. Keep the peace at any cost, right? And she said, Debbie... How is that loving when underneath you're seething with anger? Right? I had to take a real look at that. Right? I had to do the work to heal the anger and the resentment or whatever else was going on underneath me so I could get to the place of true acceptance, to get to the place of true love. Right? In Can We Talk to God, Ernest Holmes writes... So when we say that our body is a spiritual body, we are not saying that we have no eyes or we have no feet or we have no stomach. These things are all included in the spiritual system. God's world is not a world of illusion but of realities. The illusion is not in the thing but in the way that we look at it and think about it. The way we look at it and think about it, right? Because we do live in this world of cause and effect. We know that. We talk about that every week, right? We're limited by nothing but our belief about the thing. That is the only thing that limits us in any way. So if there's a power and a presence that is greater than anything present, then we know that whatever we're seeing in the world of conditions, in the world of effect, that this power is greater than that. And we can apply our spiritual tools to overcome it we can apply our spiritual tools to create a new reality, but not by denying the reality that is there. Creative Mind is success. Ernest says, we, live, um, sorry, we are not limited by actual boundaries, but by false ideas about life, and by a failure to recognize that we are dealing with the infinite. Limitation is an experience of the race, but it is not the fault of God. It is the fault of man's perception, And to prove that this is so, let any man break the bonds of this false sense of life, and he at once begins to express less and less limitation. Less and less limitation. You know, it goes on to say in Living the Science of Mind that the spiritual healer, the spiritual mind healer, somebody who's practicing these principles, somebody who's doing spiritual mind treatment, they recognize the need for care of the physical body. We honor the surgeons and the psychiatrists and the medicine people. They all have valuable tools to give us, but we have one extra level. We have one extra layer, and that is that we have the assurance that man is one with the living spirit, right? So all this and more, all this and more. You know, denial is a thing that uh, Ernest Holmes used in early teachings, and we don't use it so much. There's two forms of spiritual mind treatment that we teach. We teach affirmative prayer, and then we teach one that is um, that we use denial. And it's not denial like we would think of denial today, denial like just pretending that it doesn't happen. Uh, The denial that we use in, in our prayer treatment is we're denying the power of the thing that we see. Right? So, I would say, for instance, if I was praying for abundance and my bank account was empty, my denial would be that there is no power in the fact that that is an empty bank account. The denial is that I know that that is not the truth of my being. I know that I live in an abundant world. Right? That that out picturing has no power over me. I would deny the power of that thing that's in my life. So it's a little bit different than the way that we might think about it. It says, in practicing spiritual mind healing, we must turn entirely away from the condition. I've said this to you before. If you walk into a hospital room and you see a sick person, turn around and walk out. If you're there as a practitioner, if you're there to do a healing prayer, if you're there to see them, their wholeness and their happiness, we don't want to see them as sick. But we know they're sick. They're in the hospital. We don't deny the fact. We don't pretend that they're not sick. But we're seeing beyond the human. We're seeing their divine self. We're seeing their divine self. So it's both and. It's both and. It's one of those paradoxes in our teachings, right? That, well, you say, Reverend Debbie, that everything is perfect. Well, yes, everything is perfect, and stuff happens. And stuff happens in our human experience. Don Quixote says in The Man of La Mancha, facts, my dear Sancho, are enemies of the truth. Right? Religious scientist, right? There was a teacher, or uh, a student, a pilgrim, who was seeking an answer to a question that had been bothering him most of his life and he was going to find this great sage that he knew could answer the question for him. So he traveled over mountains, and he traveled over hills, and he traveled through valleys and across rivers to find this sage. And he didn't really know where he was, but by his intuition, he ended up finding where this great master was. And he said to the master, he said, How can I know what is real? And the master said, If you want to know what is real, You must realize the nature of the mind. And he said, how can this understanding of the mind show me what is real? And the teacher said, the mind is the slayer of the real. What do we believe about it? What do we believe about it? You know, I'm sure many of you have heard the story of the rope and the snake, right? There's a man who walks into a dark room and he sees a snake coiled up there and he passes out. He's so fearfully passes out. Somebody comes running into the room and turns on the light and it's a coiled up rope, right? There was no snake at all. But our mind has told us there was a snake there, right? Truth. Real. Alan Cohen tells a story, his own snake and rope story. He says, he was uh, sitting outside of a, a market and he was eating a muffin and he was sitting there and his old flame pulled up in, in a car, his old girlfriend, and he sat there and he was eating his muffin and he always went into the dialogue, right? Should I talk to her, should I say hi? I don't know, we never really left things very good at the end, I don't know what to do, and his heart was pounding and he was getting sweaty and he's eating the muffin and he's sitting there, what should I do? Should I say hello? And, and she goes into the market and she comes out and he's still trying to decide what what to do, and she gets in her car, and he's still sitting there, and she drives by, and he looks. It's not his old girlfriend at all. It's just someone that looked like her, right? But he had the whole experience as if it was real, right? He had the whole experience as if it was real, right? The mind is the slayer of the real. The mind is the slayer of the real. We can do a number on ourselves. So, you know, we're spiritual beings having this human experience. You know, and that might sound trout, trite, that might sound just sort of, oh, well, we've heard that a million times, right? But the truth is that we are spiritual beings having this human experience, and we don't want to deny the fact that we are human beings. But we also don't want to deny the fact that we are spiritual beings, that we are both. We are both, Right? So how can we get to that place where we step into our spiritual nature in a greater and greater way, where we know the truth of who we are, where we know the big T and the things that happen in our life, in our human life, the colds and the the setbacks and the financial reverses and those things that we know that they truly don't have power over us. You know, it's interesting. As a minister prepares for a talk, you experience a lot of the things that are going on in your talk. And I had this weird thing happen yesterday, like my hip went out and I couldn't move. And I'm like, this hurts, and i lay in bed last night, and, and it hurts. And then I'm thinking, you know, Deb, why don't you practice what you, what, you, what you teach, right? So I started doing my own work this morning. I started doing my own work of knowing that there was a power greater than this pain in my hip, in my leg, right? That I was, in fact, an expression of the divine, that I could move that. I like to use the gold light, that I could move a gold light through my body, and and I could be healed, and you know what? By the time I got here, I'm perfectly fine. I'm perfectly fine, right? So I didn't deny the fact that my hip hurt and that my leg hurt, but I also knew that there was a power and a presence that was greater than that, right? We don't always get our manifestations so quickly, but we can, but we can. So we cannot separate our human experience from the truth of our divinity and we can't separate our divinity from our humanness. They're one and the same. We are both human and divine. One does not erase the other. Perfect God, perfect man. Right. So this week, I want to encourage you as you're going through your life to recognize both aspects of yourself, your divinity and your humanity knowing that one is not greater than the other, one is not better than the other. They are who you are. They make up who you are. You know, and as Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. God bless you. So glad that you're here this week. Thank you. Glad that you're here. Welcome. Welcome. I'm going to invite our very own Amber Guzman back to the stage.